Hello and welcome everyone to 12 Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in the world covering everything Pac-12 football related. I'm your host, Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio, and this is the first of many podcasts previewing every single Pac-12 team. We're going position by position. We're going depth charts. We're going to make fun of Lane Kiffin, even though he's not in the conference anymore. And we're going to bring on a number of guests and experts from different uh, teams and podcasts from across the, uh, the conference. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio, 12PAC Radio, 12 Pack Radio. And you can subscribe to the podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, uh, Google Play, any podcast catcher you find. We're out there. It is likely this will probably take like a week before we get up on all of the podcast feeds, but this isn't our first rodeo. So stay tuned because we'll be doing this weekly. And let's just get into it. I am joined by, uh, by somebody from my favorite. Favorite Washington podcast, The Dog Pod. You can check them out. They're excellent. They break down everything Washington, but they even go into some of the Pac-12 stuff and gambling, which I'm always a big fan of. And it's Alex the Law Dog. What's going on, Alex? Well, our gambling record wasn't uh, what it used to be last season, Brian, but I do appreciate the plug. Yeah, doing well. How are you doing today? I'm excellent, man. Uh, it's only basically two months until football season, and for, for all intents and purposes, it is football season at Wildcat Radio because there's so many teams to dive into. We're doing all our research, and really appreciate you coming on. And, uh, well, let me, let me, uh, let's do a plug for the dog pod. You guys are on Twitter, right? Yeah, at DogPod on Twitter. Uh, we've been kind of a little bit quiet this off season. We did kind of a spring breakdown maybe about six, eight weeks ago uh, from the Husky season, but we've been a little quiet. We're pretty going to get it fired up pretty soon here and the next few weeks we're getting ready for football though awesome so yeah if you're up in seattle definitely check them out they're excellent let's get right into washington um so in our pac-12 preview we talked about basically it was a is it thanos or thanos are you an avengers fan you know i'm not really but i've heard thanos okay th- let's go thanos because i'm not <laughs> I'm not a fan either. Ryan actually wrote this preview. The The tagline of the preview was uh, Thanos wears purple and gold. We are big fans of this Washington program. Chris Peterson is an excellent coach. Went through a little bit of trouble last year, but like still an excellent season. I think most teams in the Pac-12 would want the season that some would even call disappointing for Washington, even though you guys think won double-digit games. Um, let's go through a little bit of the advanced stats here. Normally, we have Rob Bowron on who um, runs the Beta Rank website on Wildcat Radio AZ, and he goes through all the advanced stats. He has his model. It's pretty good. And it was interesting, Alex. I was kind of looking at some of the big big scores for Washington. Uh, on offense, you all ranked 14th, and, and I realized why because I was going through and looking at Miles Gaskin's stats, and I went, holy crap, was that this year or two, <laughs> two years straight? That guy is a monster. But the biggest one that was uh, surprising for me was Washington fell to about 26th in beta rank in total defense, and these are advanced metrics. It accounts for, you know, like uh, the end of the play drives and, and accounts for schedule strength. And we were talking a little bit before the podcast started on why possibly Washington would have fallen to 26th. I was looking at some of the metrics here on drive efficiency. Washington ended up 81st in the country, which is crazy considering, um, you know, Washington's pedigree on defense and then uh, 75th on third down plays. So was that kind of reflective of what you saw when you were actually watching the games? 
Yeah, I, I think last season in particular, especially when compared to uh, 2016, Huskies just had a lot of trouble getting off the field on third downs. Um, you really look particularly at that Fiesta Bowl against Penn State. I'm looking at the stats there. They, Penn State was 13 for 17 on third down in that game, oh. and it's just it was just aggravating to watch, right? And then the Stanford game, which was the other one that was kind of the disappointing loss late in the year on the road there, and, and uh, they Stanford was uh, 10 for 18 on third down. So that's not really characteristic of what we've seen out of Peterson uh, in recent seasons, but with just a couple of bad games, I think really um, you know underline why they've kind of slipped in those rankings defensively last season. I think a lot of people are expecting us to bounce, Huskies to bounce back a little bit this season. Um, so I, I think that is a key number to watch for them. Yeah, yeah, something to keep in mind. I know it's interesting, like Stanford is a good example, too, where everybody remembers Stanford as a great defense, but they placed like below 70th this year. So just because the name on the front of the jersey dictates uh, what's happened in the past doesn't mean that it's a reflection of what happens in the future. With that said, I mean, 26th in the country is pretty darn good. I just, you know, like again, Arizona, I think, finished 121st in the country. It was pretty brutal. So we take that number any day of the year. With that said, uh, shifting to offense, 14th in the country, you have some really good players. Let's start with the quarterback here with Jake Browning. It's interesting. It seems like everybody loved Browning and then hated Browning and like then the hate went too far and now we're back on the wagon of Browning. What do you have in Jake Browning? Is he, uh, I don't want to get into NFL quarterback stuff because that's not what we're covering here. We want to focus on college, but what kind of arm does he have? I know every once in a while people kind of uh, ding him for not being able to throw far, but I like him. I think he's a pretty solid college football quarterback. What kind of player is he? Yeah, I think when he, especially his first season, his freshman year, he really got a rap for having kind of an under, below average arm. And I know Peterson and staff were not trying to do too much with them. They were throwing the little quick outs and the the safe uh, plays. But I think in his second year, he opened it up a lot more. I think what happened was he did have that shoulder injury that really limited him in the last three or four games of the season when Washington looked really mortal against uh, USC and then particularly Alabama and even against Colorado in the Pac-12 championship game that year he was just really limited um, last season I think we saw a lot more uh, of what he can do physically but I think it's just a question of him having kind of the the guts and the moxie to really go for it and and not just take the kind of the easy play um, I think that would be my biggest concern with him going into this season. He makes great decisions. He doesn't turn the ball over. Um, he hits open guys. But sometimes you're thinking, you know, an open guy for seven yards on third and ten, you know, isn't, you know, that doesn't get the fans going all the time. <laughs> you need to you need to go for it a little bit more. He doesn't have a lot of that like Brett Favre quality in him right now. So I think that's what we're looking for going into the senior year. Uh, he knows the offense. He knows what to do. He knows how to execute. It's just a question of is he going to have that killer instinct? To, you know, because when you when you're playing a really good elite defense like we were in Penn State in the Fiesta Bowl, you just have to take a little bit more chances. And I think that's what I'd like to see from him this season. Yeah, I got you. 230 completions, 336 attempts, 68.5 completion percentage, which is excellent. 19 passes, only five interceptions on the year. That's that looks good, but when you compare it to the year prior, where he had forty touchdown passes, I mean, how much did you guys miss John Ross this year? 
Yeah, I think nobody was talking about that last season. Everyone was really excited, I think, for the season going into 2017. And I don't think enough people were talking about what losing John Ross was going to mean to this offense. I mean, Ross just commanded so much respect from a college defense that it really opened everything up. And even so, I mean, Browning would throw to him in double coverage over the top sometimes, <laughs> and he'd blow by both defenders. So, I mean, not having a guy like that really does show up in an offense. And I think that's some of the, what he was going through last season, too, not having um, a, a, a great, reliable, deep, down-the-field target. Dante Pettis is a good receiver. Um but just he wasn't John Ross. And now Washington's losing Pettis as well. So this receiving core is really, really unproven. And although they've recruited that position really well the last couple seasons, just, you know, nobody has really proven it on the field yet. So I think that's going to be a real question mark for, for Browning and this offense going into the season. Is they're going to have to, you know, demonstrate that he's going to be able to connect with some of those receivers and open up the defense a little bit. Yeah, and I want to get to the wide receivers because I do think that is a weakness on this team in the short term. In the long run, like you mentioned, you guys have recruited really well the last couple of years at wide receiver, including a, a number of top 25 players. Um, but I kind of want to go into your depth at quarterback because it's disgusting. Like, it, it is really, really frustrating. You've recruited the, the number 21 pro-style quarterback in the 2017 class and then a top 10 dual-threat quarterback and a top 7 pro style quarterback in the 2018 class and then you have that georgia transfer coming in so who i know the georgia guy i think it's eaton is his name isn't going to be playing this year but who do you think has the the backup duties right now and do you think that person is going to be able to compete next uh, in the following season yeah well it's jacob eason uh eason, who was right. a local kid yeah local kid who ended up going to georgia over you know the objections of all the UW fans on Twitter, obviously at that time, <laughs> but now of course he's back. And, um, and yeah, like you said, he does have to sit out this season. Um, the, they're saying that the backup going into the season is going to be Jake Hayner. Who's a red shirt freshman. Who's kind of a little bit more on the lightly recruited side of the, like he wasn't mentioned. I don't think you were referring to him with your, um, talking about the, the incoming quarterbacks, uh, Colson Yankoff and Jacob Sermon. So I think that there's a lot of talent, but I think it's actually a little bit thin when it comes to this season. Jay Kaner is a redshirt freshman, not really very proven. Um, the coaches are saying they like him, but I, you know, when have you ever heard coaches in spring practice say, ah, we don't really like it. Yeah, guy, this right? player Sports sucks. Second. I don't know why yeah, I recruited yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, Jay Kaner, maybe he's doing well. Maybe he's all the coaches say he is. But I think this team to succeed is really going to need Browning this season. I think after this season, Yes, I think there will be a big um, a big competition that Eason is expected to win. And, yeah, going forward from that point, I think they're going to have a lot of depth in the quarterback room. And, yeah, I think Husky fans are really excited about that. But this season, I, I am a little bit nervous if Browning can't stay healthy because I think Jake Hayner's a big question mark. Yeah, nobody has uh, thrown a pass in – uh, nobody threw a pass last year in the back in the background. Yeah. So uh, just keep yeah. keep a lookout for that. By the way, when it comes to Eason, do not tweet at recruits, people. Like, just don't do it. It's not it's not worth yeah. it. It's this. It's the worst. It's just Twitter sucks. Such it's such a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> well, let's move to that wide receiving core here. So uh, Chico McClatcher was a guy I know you guys were excited about last year because we talked about it on your podcast, uh, the Dog Pod, and he got injured. And he comes back this year. I think it was Aaron Fuller also got injured. I know there was like two guys on your team that uh, kind of mm-hmm. went down for a little bit, but they come back. I, I, I'm just looking at this right now. Fuller, McClatcher, you know, Drew Sample. who Colorado game last year. 
mm-hmm. um, uh, McClatcher got injured and was out for the season. I believe it was uh, a knee or an ACL or something like that. They're expecting him back this season because uh, that was relatively early last year. And, you know, when he's been on the field, he's been pretty electric. He's, he doesn't have a ton of size, and he's not really an outside guy, but Peterson always kind of finds a way to get him the ball. Fuller is the guy who kind of started to emerge a little bit in place last year because Pettis was getting so much attention from defenses that they really needed a second option. Fuller was kind of starting to emerge into that role, but um, he, you know, like you said, got hurt. I still don't know that we've seen enough out of him to say, okay, we're, you know, we're comfortable starting him on the outside against, uh, you know, a good Pac-12 defense this year. So, you know, it remains to be seen. I think the guy pe- people are really excited about is Ty Jones, who's the redshirt freshman, um, who's I think about six three, pretty highly recruited. He got on the field just a little bit last year, but he looks really. I mean, he looks like JJ Stokes if you remember him from the old UCLA teams. I mean, just long, lanky, and can really move. So, I think that's the guy we're really looking forward to seeing um but yeah like like you've been mentioning and and like i said i mean it's just pretty thin and and there's not a guy who you can definitely say your watch to and be like okay he's gonna he's gonna lead this receiving core yeah one other person that uh, bad news coming out of seattle was hunter bryant with a likely acl injury question mark i know he tweeted about it then it was kind of under the radar do you have any news on him he's a monster by the way yeah, no, that that one got a lot of attention um, when that happened. I know I was on a couple text threads with friends and other fans, you know, just saying, "Oh man, what is this all about?" I think they're. What I'm hearing is that he's going to be out for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and whether or not and the coaches have not said a word, and probably they won't say a word until fall practice. Um, but I, I'm not expecting to see him this season. Drew Sample is a guy who's been um, on the field quite a bit. I believe he's going to be a senior this year. More of a blocking um, tight end, right? More of a blocker, but he's got good hands. He's just not super athletic. It's kind of in the mold, honestly, of of Will Disley, who was drafted uh, to the Seahawks this this season. Although Disley is bigger and probably a little slower. Um, Sample's a pretty good pretty good player, but he's just he's not a Hunter Bryant who can really you know change the way a defense has to cover. Okay. Well, let's go from uh, the wide receiver, wide receiving core, which is kind of bad news, to incredibly, incredibly good news, which is the Washington running back core. Miles Gaskin, 208 carries, 1,300 yards, 6.2 yards a carry. That's insane, by the way. It's crazy because like, the Pac-12 was so deep at, at wide receiver that players like, oh, I don't know, Philip Lindsay or, uh, or even Miles Gasson kind of took a step back when he looked at Ronald Jones and Bryce Love and all these guys that we had going on. Um, but he had a disgusting year, 21 touchdowns. He also catches passes out of the backfield, which is excellent. He had more than 200 receiving yards. Then you have, uh, and I can't pronounce his name, is it Salvin Ahmed? Salvin Ahmed. Dalvin Ahmed. That guy is, I know, kind of the next coming for Washington. Let's start with Gaskin. Do you anticipate as good of a year? It's kind of hard to go above 21 rushing touchdowns in a season, right? Well, I mean, his sophomore year in 2016, he really emerged, and uh, and he followed up those numbers, you know, last year. Um, and so if you look, he's been remarkably consistent, you know, getting 1,200, 1,300 yards a season, five, six yards a carry. So, 
I think that's what people are expecting from him again this season. It's it's kind of actually funny to look back on it now, but in September last year when the Huskies were kind of, you know, making their way through that soft non-conference schedule that they got so much grief about, uh, you know, Gaskin was running five times for you know, 40 yards and people were saying, Oh man, is this like, is the running game a problem? Does it need fixing? You know? And then in that Colorado game, the Pac-12 opener, he's broke out and had a monster game. And it was like, Nope, don't need to worry about that. Um, so I, I think we should expect more of that the same this season, especially in those early games, not against Auburn, obviously, but in those early non-conference games, we're probably not going to see a lot of Gaskin. They'll probably get the ball around to quite a few different players. Um, but yeah, I expect him to have a big season. And then you mentioned Salvan Ahmed. I mean, I think, you know, it, as the receiving core got more and more dinged up last year, we saw kind of more and more Ahmed. We saw more and more kind of creative things they were doing to try to get both of those guys touches. And Ahmed's really done um, a lot with kind of a little bit of work. So I expect him to even get some more looks this season and, uh, you know, and maybe even try to rest Gaskin a little bit uh, and not work him too hard down um you know to at the beginning of the season while they're kind of trying to get their bearings so from a size standpoint they're kind of the same back uh gaskin is 510 191 ahmed's 511 191 <laughs> so like very yeah, similar neither one's size. A bruiser. do you have anybody that can yeah. kind of roll down the lane you know they've they've recruited a younger guy um who they're expecting to play that role but he's only going to be a true freshman this year and his name's escaping me at the moment um oh yeah richard newton they're thinking he's kind of more of the bigger type of guy, but I, I honestly don't think we're going to see, um, you know, we'll see those, we'll see Gaskin and Ahmed. We'll see probably a little bit of Sean McGrew, who is also really highly recruited running back out of California, but he's again, kind of a similar size guy. So they don't have a lot of variation when it comes to size. Yeah, it's it's always good, regardless of size, to have two backs that average more than six yards a carry. When you look at other schools that maybe have a featured back and then the backups, you know, if you get five yards to carry in limited time, that's pretty good. But some of these teams where you, where you see somebody that's averaging three and a half yards a carry on limited touches, like 50 touches, I mean, you go, oh, man, that's, that's probably not a good sign. So it's nice to have somebody that um, even in a low number of carries, they're still producing, you know, at least they have something to look forward to there. Moving from there to the offensive line, I, I, I was just blown away by how much you return on this line. Um, and it's always difficult, uh, from an outsider perspective, you know, I went to the university of Arizona, I watch Arizona football. I watch a lot of PAC 12 football, but it's hard to kind of zone in on the offensive line. So I love asking fans of the opposing team because they know right away, whether or not you have a good line or a bad line, there's a lot returning in this game. I want to say there's 97 career starts among all these players. How good is this line or is it just kind of okay, but just a lot of experience? No, I think it has a chance to be really good. Um, I think the one thing is that uh, most of those starts, you're talking about 97 or 100 starts, a lot of those are going to come from Trey Adams and Caleb McGarry, right? Those mm-hmm. guys are your tackles who have been three-year starters, and now they're going into their senior year. So those guys probably have 60 uh, of those <laughs> yeah. starts right between them, right? Um, and the big real question is Adams' health, right? Adams got hurt in the Arizona State game last season, which was kind of like late October, mid to late October, and um, you know with an ACL injury. We've kind of accepted that there's this new normal that guys come back after an ACL after nine months or you know something like that. So that'll be cutting it close for that Auburn game. But I'm actually not anticipating that we will see him for that Auburn game. I mean, I hope I hope they do, but um, 
if he's healthy and you can move, you know, your guys who are your second tier guys to guard, uh, like Luke Wattenberg, who filled in admirably last year for Adams, but they're talking about moving him to uh, to guard when Adams is healthy. Then, yeah, I think it becomes a really good line. Nick Harris, uh, who's the center, is also moving from right guard to center, um, and he was all Pac-12 honorable mention his freshman year, and was a guy who was like 260 pounds um, and playing <laughs> as a true freshman, and it was kind of you know the big biggest surprise on the entire roster two seasons ago. So he's emerged too as a quality lineman. They're moving him to center, where he, they're saying he's going to be a better fit there. So yeah, I think between the tackles and Nick Harris and Wattenberg, you've got a very you've got a very proven core of line uh, of offensive line. It's just a question of if Adams is going to be healthy because if he's not, then you're you're you've got three positions that are pretty inexperienced at that point. I got you. And then when you get a little bit deeper, you do have players that have played a number of games that are sitting on the bench. One of the things that oftentimes drives me nuts is when coaches just play their starters and they tire them out and you don't get the younger players. And those are usually teams that are losing, by the way. Um, you do yeah. have a lot of players that have played in multiple games, which is, is nice to see. Um, it's so- really tough to just recruit that position and, and keep the depth there. You know what I mean? And that, that's something that they've really focused on and tried to do is get big, tall guys and make sure that they're getting on the field. So the first time they set, set foot on the field isn't against Auburn. Yeah, well, Trey Adams is 6'8", 320. Caleb McCary, 6'8", 325. <laughs> Those are some freaking big dudes. Uh, and there's yeah. a reason they're all, all Pac-12 players. Um, so, so, okay, so you're playing N- uh, EA Sports NCAA football RIP this year. What would, what, would the, yeah. what would the grade for the offense be for this Washington team? I'd probably give it an A minus, um, just because Browning and Gaskin and the aforementioned offensive linemen are very proven commodities, you know, and and receiver and tight end I think is going to be where an area where fans are going to be looking those first three or four games to find out okay what do we have here. So I, I definitely give them a high grade. I, I expect them to, you know, score lots of points and compete in every game, but I, I, that is like you mentioned, the wide receiver position is the one that I'm looking at. Okay. Moving from offense to defense, um, man, Vita Vea was a bad, bad man. And he is gone. I mean, the fact that he, the, the fact that he moved so fast for a guy that was like 315 pounds is just insane. There's a reason he was a first round draft pick. Uh, he's gone. Let's talk about the defensive line though, because you do have some players coming back. Greg Gaines, uh, Jalen Johnson, not as, uh, not as experienced as some of the other guys. And, and you did a weird, funky formation, right? Like there was times where you only had like two linemen on the ground. Um, can you kind of talk about what, what type of defense you all were playing there in Seattle? Yeah, I mean, I think they technically think of it as a 3-4, but you're right. It it gets a little Belichickian sometimes, or they'll put two down linemen and then a bunch of linebackers kind of thing. Um, and And they do that, I think, when they're particularly effective at, you know, commanding double teams like Vita Vea has been. I mean, Vita Vea for his entire career was basically, you know, good for, you know, commanding a double team on every snap. So I, I don't expect we're going to see a lot of that this season unless Greg Gaines and Jalen Johnson kind of come out of nowhere and are able to do that. Um, because if they can both 
command a double team the way Vea could, then, yeah, I could see them sticking with two down linemen. But I think they're probably more likely to stick with the 3-4 that's been more traditional for them. Yeah, it's kind of easy to put two guys in the dirt when uh, they're 6'2", 315 pounds, like back-to-back, and one of them is a freak of nature. Uh, but Greg Gaines is still very good. He was a second-team All-Pac-12 player. It's possible that that could have happened because Vea sucked up so much oxygen on that line. But, I mean, this is a talented big guy that returns. He had five tackles for a loss, 30 tackles. Pretty uh, pretty good for a space eater. <laughs> you know, like, that. those are pretty decent uh, statistics. Uh, you know, Johnson comes back. Who's going to be on the edge that's going to be putting some pressure if you do have three down linemen? You know, I think that's kind of the big question. Um, you know, last year they they mix it up quite a bit, but it, they're, they've kind of settled on um, Pot- Potawai, okay. is how you say it. Um, and his, his older brother was a Husky as well, and I'm, I'm just blanking on it. But uh, Potawai has been that um, that edge rush type of player but they use so much in the outside linebackers as well um that i don't think you'll see just one player playing that role i mean in the mold of a three four they they generally will kind of bring heat in, in with one of the linebackers or in some other direction sometimes so but for the last couple of seasons it has been a little bit of an issue for them to get that pass rush if they're not getting it up the middle through vea and gains so I do think that's going to be another point of emphasis this year. At least their linebackers are much more experienced than they have been in the past, and I think they're really talented there. And you may have heard Camilo Eifler, who's one of their highest-rated recruits out of California a couple of years ago at the linebacker spot, just announced he was going to transfer. So he, even he doesn't seem like he's going to or believe he's going to be getting on the field. So that tells you that they, they're really deep at linebacker, and so I think that's what you'll see is them mixing it up quite a bit. So there's a player, uh, is it Levi? Ozo were Zeke. Oh man, um, Levi O. We'll call him that. His sophomore. He had 16 tackles last year. I wasn't certain. We kind of had him almost in our depth chart, like up up at a starting position. But does it not look like he's gonna gonna be the guy? Yeah, Levi Onwuzarike. There it is. Yeah, and he's he's a, he's out of Texas. I, yeah, I think he is could be very likely to see a lot of time at end this season. And he, and he played pretty well last year, but you know he wasn't. Um, the impact player that Gaines and Vea were. I mean, those guys sucked up a lot of oxygen, not only on the field itself, but just in terms of the media and whatnot. Um, but yeah, him and Benning Potawai, I think, are kind of their two options for rushing the quarterback. And and on Muzarike now is uh, entering, I think, his third, fourth year in the program. Um, I think fans are kind of hoping and expecting that he'll kind of have a little bit of a breakout this season. Okay. And then on uh, the new guys coming in, you have the number eight defensive tackle in 2018, uh, Tuli uh, Latua Gasona, I think is how you say it. And then um, the number tw- number 13 offensive guard, he's going to play on the defensive line. So a lot of good things to expect coming up. I know Chris Peterson does a pretty good job recruiting on almost all positions. There's a couple ones where he's a little weak, but um, has done a great job on the defensive line. Moving to the linebackers, like you mentioned, you have a great class that that returns can you just talk about them because these guys are are legit yeah so going into after 2016 uh you had uh azim victor and Keyshawn bieria who were both all pac 12 players at some point in their careers and uh bieria 
uh, graduated last season, but Victor was literally displaced by Ben Burkhurvin. So you had Ben Burkhurvin come up and displace a, um, you know, a, an all pack 12 middle linebacker in Azeem Victor. And he's just been very, very efficient. He just tackles really well. He takes good routes. He just really, uh, is solid and, and doesn't make mistakes back there in the middle. And then you've got a guy, Tevis Bartlett, who, um, on the outside, he uh, was out of Cheyenne, Wyoming, and just about nobody recruited him. He was like a state wrestling champion out of Wyoming, just a total uh, vintage Chris Peterson recruit. Um, and he's just been really solid, awesome on the outside. Um, and then, as I mentioned before, um, Benning Potawai kind of plays that outside role. He's really more of a pass rusher, but um, you, you won't really see him in coverage. So those are the two guys who, or those are the three guys who are really the anchors on that linebacking core. Um, you know, then I think you'll see them mix it up quite a bit, and they get a lot of guys in, in um, on special teams as well. Um, they've got a really good um, freshman coming in, Jackson Sermon from Tennessee. Um, look, we mentioned Camilo Eifler, who's going to be uh, transferring, but there's just a ton of talent who, that's been coming in there. And so I think Potawai, Bartlett, Ben Burkhurvin, those are the guys who I think all of them in their own right will be uh, competitive for um, all Pac-12 honors this season. And then I, I guess you should also mention Amandre Williams, who they, the coaches really like. He's a local kid. A sophomore this season, another guy who's on the outside. Yeah, with Ben Burkhurvin, um, he has what I call like those NBA stat lines where he has numbers like all across the board. So 84 tackles, four tackles for a loss, five passes broken up, two forced fumbles, those kind of like havoc type of, of stats. So it's kind of cool. And he's, he's on the inside, right? Like you said, mm-hmm. that's pretty good for an inside backer. You usually just see a lot of tackles and a few pass breakups. So, um, which is interesting. And I was super surprised. I think Victor got into some discipline. Was that somebody else? It's kind of, un, it, it's kind of unclear. I think there's a theory out there that that's what was going on. Um, but he, he clearly got in Peterson's doghouse and BBK, as he's called in. Yeah. Just kind of slowly started to overtake him at that position. And by the end of the season, Victor had been dismissed from the team. And I think that might've been a disciplinary thing. Uh, but they, you know, they don't confirm those things. So you don't never really know for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you. Um, so the secondary should be disgusting this year. Uh, and it was pretty good last year and it was excellent the year before that. Um, it looks like Washington is starting to crank out some of these NFL players and being a, a factory back there. What, who's at first, who's the secondary coach? Do you know? So the secondary coach is a guy named Jimmy Lake who, um, He's been promoted now to co-defensive coordinator and, and play caller, uh, overtaking Kwiatkowski. And that's a story that really made it around uh, last year around the recruiting time uh, because Kwiatkowski had voluntarily kind of stepped aside to allow Lake to call the play so that he could take the next step in his career and would want to stay at Washington. So that's that was your biggest recruit. Uh, of the off season right there. Mm-hmm. So they've also hired with the new 10th DB coach is a guy named Will Harris, who was uh, at, in the whack. I believe he was at San Jose state. Um, and so they brought him in to specifically coach DBs as well. So between Lake and Harris, he should have two DB coaches. Man, that's awesome. And and you do have the talent back there to be able to shut down players. I know that the run defense, I think Washington held opposing teams last year to something like 3.2 yards of carry or something like disgusting. Um, and that included playing Bryce Love, by the way. <laughs> but the secondary yeah. is really good, too. So who do you have back here and who are some of the players that you know, just Pac-12 fans in general should be looking at? 
So the I guess the the dean of the group is JoJo McIntosh, the senior uh, this season, and uh, he's been with the program for a while. Um, he, he had a really solid year. He's kind of a, a he's six one two eleven. He's back at safety. Then you have Taylor Rapp, who was the Pac twelve freshman of the year two seasons ago. He'll going into his junior year now. Um, I think fans are really expecting a lot out of him. And uh, both of those guys are just rock solid um, tacklers and and good in coverage. Then uh, at corner, your the the main guy last season was was Byron Murphy to start the year, and he was the five star recruit out of the state of Arizona a couple of years ago who redshirted in 2016 because the team was so deep. Last year he got <laughs> good problem to have there, Alex. <laughs> good problem to have, yeah. And then uh, um, last year he got his first taste of uh, Pac-12 action, and he did really well, but he got hurt and missed quite a bit of the season. I expect he'll be back as the starter on one side this year, um, and then on the other side is Jordan Miller, who's just been really solid six one one eighty. So all these guys have a little bit of length to him as well. And uh, Jordan Miller, I think, was probably our best corner pound for pound last season. Um, and then, you know, back behind those guys, you've got a pretty well-tested second string because of the injuries we went through last season. Miles Bryant played quite a bit. Um, and then there's, um, uh, yeah, Miles Bryant and Austin Joyner, who's another local kid who, who both of those guys are a little bit on the smaller side, but they got a lot of experience last year. And then you've got, everyone was talking in spring ball about Elijah Molden, who's the son of Alex Molden, the former duck, uh, cornerback. Uh, who was on those early good duck teams in the mid to early 90s. So everyone's been talking about him. He got the best hand award in the spring. So he he could see the field as well as a true freshman. But, yeah, they're definitely loaded. They have a lot of talent coming back, and I expect another big year out of the defensive backfield. Yeah, and one of the things that you mentioned, because we had Miles Bryant in our preview as a starter, and then what we try to do is make sure that experts from each team take a look at it to make sure we're not just pulling things you know out of our hats here. Um, and you had mentioned that the – when Washington was playing bigger wide receivers, it was it tended to be a problem, and Miles Bryant was one of the one of the problems. He's five eight one seventy nine. You can see how oh I don't know uh, Nikhil Harry could just shove him aside and go down. Obviously, you probably wouldn't put uh, Bryant on a player like that. But if you have two big guys, it's it's easy to see how those players are pushed around. So the return of Byron Murphy from injury is, is a huge. That, that's like a really big deal for you. He had three tackles for a loss, three interceptions, and seven pass breakouts, uh, pass breakups in limited times. So um, that's a that's a heck of a heck of a roster you got there, man. Yeah, well, Murphy is the guy I'm most looking forward to seeing this season, and it could be the last season we see him, depending on how well he he plays. But um, yeah, he was I think Pro Football Focus had him rated as the top corner in the Pac-12 last season. You know, through the week, whatever it was that he had played, and I think I don't know if he had enough to playing time to qualify for that, but he was a really he was a really big force in the backfield. And so I'm really looking forward to this. These guys uh, are really talented, and they, they love to get the ball back and score. I mean, it's just they never stop talking about it. All right, let's go to special teams, which I know is a sore, sore subject for Washington fans. Uh, just and I've, I'm with you, man. I've, I've been a fan of a team that had just trash kickers and, and punters, and it's just been a mess. So it's amazing. You don't think about your, it's kind of like just any part of your body that you don't really think about until it like stabs you. And like it just, the pain is excruciating. It's the same thing with special teams. You don't really appreciate them until they're terrible. So is there, is there going to be somebody that can kick the ball through the uprights this year? I mean, it's amazing that I'm saying this, but we just honestly don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, 
last year, uh, Van Soderberg was the um, freshman. Well, Tristan Vizcaino was the senior kicker, uh, who was originally, I think, a punter and had been converted to kicker. But honestly, he didn't give us – he has a huge leg, and he did the kickoffs for years. Um, but he just had a ton of accuracy problems, and especially in that Arizona State game where you lose by, Ugh. you know um, – six points and you know you missed two field goals that are within 30 yards of that you, game. you guys so, made I me mean, some money on that by the way the desert dogs yeah. like, so washington is terrible when they go to arizona i totally didn't realize that so <laughs> yeah. I, I i i'm glad that you're able to profit from it because every year i feel like i'm tearing my face off when i watch those games but uh yeah i think place kicker is a real big question mark going into the season uh you mentioned the punter joel whitford is our australian rugby style punter he's actually really solid and i think he's a good uh good weapon to have and uh and peterson loves to do those little pooch punts when you're in like you know the kind of quasi field goal range like the 30 to 40 yard line so mm-hmm. i think we'll see a lot of those just because we usually do and then trust our defense i don't think he'll be going for a lot of long field goals so as I, I started to mention Van Soderberg, he's the freshman who kind of stepped in for Vizcaino, and then he missed a couple right away, and it just it was really confidence-shattering, I think. I think that's probably who's going to get the first look at kicker this season, but um, they're definitely accepting walk-ons. They just signed uh, or just got an oral commitment from a recruit for next season, so... Um, you know they're they're clearly trying to mix it up and do what they can do, but you've got the roster you've got, and in college football you can't always just bring in a kicker like they can in the NFL. Yeah, I don't get so at, at Arizona. Arizona didn't offer a scholarship to special teams like the the kicker or the punter. You're just going, what are you doing? Like, why wouldn't you? This is such an important part. And I guess the, the, the probably the answer is that it's difficult to gauge whether or not these people that are kicking and punting are going to be as good as they are like in a real live situation. Um, and, and clearly kickers are head cases, especially in college. So it is difficult to, uh, but it is quite frustrating. Sometimes you just go like, just give the best guy you can offer him a scholarship, step in front of the line with a lot of people. So, uh, well, and you know, you give one guy a scholarship, but what happens if he, if he gets hurt or if he has confidence issues, you know, you almost need to recruit depth too. And it, it really tests your recruiting and your scholarships, uh, you know, if, if you're not solid at that position, which is what's been happening for mm. the Huskies in the last season or two. Yeah, very true. All right, EA, EA Sports question. You're playing EA Sports 2018 and you're playing Washington. What grade is the defense going to get? Well, you know, I think I'd probably give them an A minus again, or I, I, I'm tempted to give them an A, but um, I think this loss of Vita Vea, I think people are underestimating it, kind of like they underestimated John Ross. I do love Greg Gaines, and I think Jalen Johnson's actually a great interior lineman. He was a great third uh, interior lineman to have uh, last season and the last two seasons, but he's going to be taking on a much bigger role this year, and we just don't quite know if he's going to be able to to um, control the defense the way Gaines and Bea have been. And, and I'm anticipating that there's going to be a drop-off there. And then when you mentioned that, you know, the pass rush isn't um, quite up to Washington's standards, I think, uh, until proven otherwise. So I'd probably lean towards an A-minus form. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, when you lose a player like Vea and you don't have somebody that good to replace them, I mean, we've seen this over and over with teams that, um, it's particularly in college, because there just aren't players like that out there all the time, LSU or Alabama. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but this Washington team is is very talented. 
um, and and should contend for the Pac-12. Last question for you. Give us two players that are maybe a little bit under the radar, that, and we could have mentioned them already, that you would want uh, players that are watching Washington to focus on. Well, the one I, want, I wanted to give you was Hunter Bryant, but I really don't think we're going to see him this season. Um, I think Salvan Ahmed, who's the, the second-string running back, you're going to see him a lot more in the return game as well, I think, this season. Um, and he is really electric. So and not a lot of player, or fans may know about him, but he's the future running back for UW. But since Gaskin is still going to be here, they're going to try to find other ways to get him on the field. So I would take a look at him. Um, and then I'd say on, on defense, I think, I don't know if I would call Greg Gaines under the radar, but I think he is a really elite defensive lineman. I don't think he's gotten enough credit because of the presence of Vea and how, how commanding and how um, dominant he was. But Greg Gaines is every bit the all-Pac-12 defensive lineman, and I think he's going to have a big uh, senior season. And then I guess I'll just give you one more, and that's um, we, we talked a lot about it, but Byron Murphy. I just I think he is going to be a, a stud at the next level, and I think he's going to have a big season for UW, and he's really excited to be healthy again. So those are, those are a few guys to keep, keep your eye on. Right on. Well, hey, Alex, thank you for coming on. Um, definitely check out the Dog Pod again if you're in Seattle if, or if you're just a, a UW alum. The best podcast out there covering Washington football. You can subscribe to this podcast on 12 Pack Radio. You can follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio. And we have put together a 129 page full blowout magazine covering all of Pac-12 football. We have jokes and Crayola drawings, but li- literally we go position by position. All the stuff that we're drawing from here, um, from this podcast, we are drawing from all of our previews of the 12 teams. Uh, again, it's it's actually pretty detailed with advanced statistics and, and all this jazz. So if you're interested in that, check it out. Uh, it's actually at our Wildcat Radio website, which is wildcatradioaz.com and uh, that's for sale for five bucks if you're interested. But uh, more importantly, tune in. We are literally going weekly We're going to have gambling contests. It's going to be awesome. So thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you soon.